0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of Don't Look Down. It's the podcast that tackles that taboo subject around mental health. Now, the person that we're going to be hearing from shortly is a lady called Lainey Walsh. Now, when I first met Lainey, I was completely blown away, just hearing some of the stories of people that she's helped and also hearing her own incredible journey through suffering with depression for years, unable to admit that she was even struggling. But today she's going to be sharing with us her journey with mental health as a young mother of three, believing that she did deserve to die. But once she got on the road to recovery, she made a promise to herself and also to others that she would never let anyone else go through what she had to endure and since then she's been heavily involved in the community helping as many people as possible now there's there's people in life that go above and beyond dedicating themselves to helping others and Lainey has done just that. She's she's given back way more than her fair share to society and she takes it to a higher level than most. We're incredibly lucky to have Lainey. She's immediately recognisable thanks to her beaming smile and her bright red hair. So this is a real brilliant way to to kick off this first episode so please enjoy. Mm -hmm.
1: Me. No, no,
0: it's a pleasure um, to have someone like you on because oh, you're so passionate you. about mental health yeah. and changing <laughs> the whole stigma around it and obviously you are very well known in Redditch and surrounding areas for everything you've done. <laughs> Sadly so. <laughs> no, gratefully so. We're, we're very lucky to have you. Um, we have only met once mm-hmm. and um, Harriet put us in touch. She did. And um, we met in a coffee shop and about three hours later, (laughs) (laughs) we went home. We did, but I just, you know, we shared each other's stories and I'm not usually that comfortable with sharing as much as I did with you, but I do feel that felt completely comfortable and you do have a gift for, you know, putting people at ease and advising people. So I do, you know... It's, it's, it's a rare gift and you've got complete sheer and determination. Thank you. And drive with everything that you've done. So thank you for coming on. So I always start the podcast with the same questions for everybody. Yeah. And it's about being grateful because I think sometimes we lose sight of the simple things in life and yeah. what we're grateful for. So what three things... Are you most grateful for, except your friends and okay. your family? Because that's going to be the, the easiest one to sort of say. So it
1: can be anything. Okay. So the first thing I'm extremely grateful for is that I have had depression and anxiety. And I am um, it may sound strange, but I am extremely grateful that I have got that lived experience and mm-hmm. that I've had that experience myself. Um, because it made me the person I am today. Yes. And, and so I am grateful for that. And I know people find that difficult to understand sometimes. Not at all. I think it makes perfect um, sense. But for me, I am, I am grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful that I'm in a job and a situation that I enjoy and love. Uh, so I am grateful for that because yeah. I haven't always been in that position. Well, you spend a lot of time at work. Yes, Absolutely. Um, And and you need to be there and be pleasured to be there, not unsafe and feeling, you know, anxious or upset to be there. Or having that
0: dreaded feeling
1: of, I don't want to go to work today. That's not good for anybody. It's not. So I'm grateful for those two things. Mm. And the third thing I'm grateful for outside of my family and friends is my dog. Oh, Oh. animals are wonderful. Absolutely. And my little dog, Scruff, um, who is a six-year-old cockapoo who thinks he's six months old and still acts like a a baby puppy. So
0: So, Scruff keeps you on your toes. Scruff
1: keeps me on my toes, but he's also my salvation sometimes, where I can just sit, if I need to... Not offload. It's not about offloading. Mm. If I need to sit and not think about anything yeah. and not do anything, Scruff knows and he's by Don't my side. Know. Yeah, he's absolutely by my side, Don't and know. he just lies there with me, mm. and he knows. They do, you know. So he he is my and there's no expectations
0: with animals. Yeah, is there? There's just it's like I've got two cats. Yeah, if I'm having a blue day, they're by my side, so yeah. i completely, you know, yeah, resonate absolutely with that. Might. They so, are, they have wonderful. You know,
1: so those three things are what I'm most grateful for in life outside of my family and friends. Well, I think they're wonderful things to Thank be grateful you. for. Um, very humbled. Starting at the beginning with
0: your life, Lainey. Mm-hmm. Um, always start at the beginning and then we'll get more into the juicier things and okay. we'll probably go off on tangents and different <laughs> things <I'm> sure. because <laughs> you've got you know, to possibly cram as much... As you do for people into this podcast is going to be difficult, but I'm going to try my hardest. Um, and I've also quickly learnt um, how serious you are about helping and changing people's views. Mm-hmm. So, your childhood
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, was it? Was she six years old when your parents
1: divorced? I was um, six years old when they split. Okay. Um, and I was nine years old when they divorced, but they were split at six years when I was six years old. And, and how did that affect you
0: at a young
1: age? What, what was your... Did they get on? Was it a bad split? It wasn't... It wasn't a, a, a vicious split. It was mm. a split. Um, and they did get on very well most of the time when, when, after they'd split. There mm. was the odd blip. And as a six-year-old, it did affect me. You know, I'm not going to lie. I have to say, with a caveat here, it was the best thing for them to do. Yes. It was absolutely the right thing for them to do. Yeah. But as a child, you wouldn't necessarily see that. Or understand it, even at that age. So, as a six-year-old, I couldn't quite understand why Mummy and Daddy weren't together. And we're going Mm. back now. This was sort of the late 60s, 70s, early 70s. Mm. Divorce, separation didn't really happen much then. No, not as common as today, is and it? And so I had no benchmark to look at to see what it meant or no idea of how it would affect me or other people. You or know? have a friend
0: that it had yeah. happened to as well. And
1: that's that. I, there was nothing around me in that respect. Although, mm. you know, I'm not saying mum and dad weren't brilliant about things, but I don't know how... I, as a parent, would have handled a divorce if I'd have got divorced, when my children were little. Yeah. So everybody, I think, in those circumstances, do the best thing they could. Yes. And, and while it wasn't ideal for me, it was the right thing for them. Mm. You know, but I did. I did feel bitter. I did feel rejected. And I did feel that, that guilty, there was a guilt... Yeah. Um, and I don't, know, there was no rhyme or reason for that because nobody said it was your fault or it was this mm. or. It, there was no pointing into that direction at all it, it, I just, as a child I suppose mm. I, I battled with my own feelings Yes, I was 13 when my parents split
0: mm-hmm. so I was, you know, at that hormonal teenage yeah. Um, so yeah, those feelings that you yeah. felt I also felt so and you don't understand no and um, you also I think had a problem when you was born
1: so I was born um, with a condition called Perth's disease although it wasn't diagnosed until I was three years old right um, and Perth's disease is uh, the blood supply to the hip right. bones yeah. um, is cut off and therefore the bones start to die okay and therefore, they start to shrink back, or decay, or rot. Mm. Um, so I was in hospital for um, a very long time on tractions. Okay. Um, in Bromsgrove Hospital. Yep. I had a fabulous nurse there called Nurse Molly, who um, mm. she was an amazing nurse, and and you know even now I I remember her. And like she, she stuck was, out. Absolutely, yeah. she did. She was amazing. She used to bring me a. A bowl of soapy water to wash my doll's clothes oh. in and all those sorts of things she was just fabulous
0: how long was you in hospital
1: for um eight weeks okay that's a long time for it a, is for a, a, a long child. time it is a long and time and how old was you at three three okay. um yeah so um when i come out of hospital i was then in calipers mm. and specialized shoes for yeah. several years after that um but I was very lucky in the fact that when I was when I started school I was in calipers. Okay. Um, but I I started bachelor first school. Yeah. Um and they were fabulous with me even that you know, they helped me get around, they uh, they identified, you know, sort of I had to sit on certain chairs. Yes. Um they were amazing, they were absolutely fabulous. And for that day and age really to be that inclusive yes. Yes. was was quite, you know, yeah. um it wasn't the, the dumb thing normally. No, it was, of course, yeah. But they were amazing. That's good. And I remember those things specifically. I think
0: Bachelor was, a, and still is, is, a great community. Yeah, um, it is. And with making friends with other children, because obviously there must have been times you must have felt different and, oh, I want to be able to run around mm-hmm. and join in and do these things. Well, mm. how,
1: how was that for you? It was difficult with some, with mm. most... Um I was very lucky. I grew up in a little crescent, um, in Batchley. Yes. And there were lots of children my age who I was very good friends with. Mm. Um but I had to go to school in a push chair. Okay. I could I was only I couldn't walk certain distances. Yeah. yeah. So I could walk in and around school but I couldn't walk onto the playground all the time or stand up or lot. Yeah, sure. Um so a lot of the people that I went to school with walked to school with me and my mum and, you know. Um, and I was only thinking about this today, and it's very strange, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I didn't know you were mm-hmm. going to ask me this. <laughs> but there was a girl there um, who really, really didn't like the way I was. It's I can only deduce wise, uh... that. And she used to find um, great joy in making me cry, and she would call me oh. a name, um, a name that's very often used or in the past for Down syndrome. Oh right, okay. Um, and that used to really, Crew. really upset me. It was vile. It was horrid, and <laughs> I'm not proud of this moment, but, <laughs> but I, I felt after the calipers come off. Yeah. Um, you've been waiting. I had. <laughs> and here's the thug in me, you see, right or wrong. Um. The calipers were off and I wasn't, you know, I was still limping because yeah. I have one leg longer than the other. OK. Um, but I was more mobile than I'd be- mm. ever been, mm. I suppose. And we I was in the toilets at school one day mm. and she came in and I flushed her head down I mean that's Ooh. just terrible, isn't it? Fancy it isn't. admitting that? No,
0: <laughs> don't. It's not. You know, it's you. You know, you you're in a difficult situation. Someone's being horrible, and you know what? When you probably look back now, you probably think, I wonder why she asked. Because mm-hmm. normally, it's usually a reflection on themselves, it. It? Absolutely. But right. she probably learned a lesson. Yeah. She she didn't come near. No, me. I bet you she that. didn't. I bet you shouldn't I had a similar situation. Not quite as bad as that. I didn't flush anyone's uh, head down the toilet, but I did stand enough and I think that's it. You everyone's got a limit. Of course they have. You know, right or wrong. Mm-hmm.
1: If you what if you hadn't have done that, would she have continued? Possibly, yes. Cause she, she didn't stop when my calipers were off. She still exactly called right. me those things, you know, yeah. and, and so it wasn't that when my calipers were off, I was normal to her, so she left me alone. It was that I hadn't retaliated. Yeah. And I'm not saying I retaliated in the right way. I'm not saying I did it the wrong way, but whatever way it was, for me, it worked. So that was obviously your
0: younger years. And um, did you sort of always stay in contact with you? Did you end up living with your mum when when you uh, when your parents divorced?
1: I lived with my dad at first, yeah, um, and then at age 13, I went to live with mum and yeah. my stepdad. So, yes.
0: Yeah. And was that a happier time?
1: Yes, it yeah. was. Much happier. Yeah. yeah much better. Good. I felt more secure and I felt more settled in that respect, in my own self, mm. really. Mm. So, yes, it was.
0: So, from 13 onwards, Laney started to find a fee. Yes. More confidence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not sure my mum would have
1: called it that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll call it, confident. yeah. I <laughs> was a bit of a rebel, so yeah, uh, me yeah. too.
1: Married early, I did. I met my husband when I was 17, yes. And we got engaged on my 18th birthday, and we got married one year and one week to the day after we oh. met, so, yeah. Yes, and you've got three daughters, I do, I think. You
0: had within less than three years? I did, yes. So that's very, very close together. It is. Um, and the first was born when you were still a teenager. So being a young mother and facing lots of different challenges, you know, that must have been tough times, mm-hmm. but also positive times. Yeah. What, what? How was that for you, being a, a young mother <clears throat> with three young girls? Do you know,
1: I mean... Uh... I had my eldest daughter at the age of 18. I was one month off 19. Um, And I had my middle daughter at 20 and my youngest daughter at 21. Yes. Um, To have children in that quick succession was hard work. Mm. You know, it was very hard work. But I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I had that. I'm glad they're so close as sisters.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: They really are extremely close. And they're extremely protective of each other.
0: That's brilliant.
1: Um, and, and for me to see them grow as each other mm. and equally support each other in that growing phase has been great. Mm. It was hard work, Emily, I can't deny. No. It was extremely hard work. Um, and if somebody were to say to me today, how did you do it? I wouldn't know. Mm. Um, but you do what you do. Of course. And you deal with what you deal with. And money was tight, Mm. you know, and things were difficult financially wise sometimes. Mm. But I suppose that put a bond between it does the girls that really nobody can break. Yeah. So
0: yeah. It's funny, isn't it, how having money can divide and mm. make you more spoiled, I guess. And yeah. if you haven't got so much of it, you, you get, you know, not in all cases, but you get more of a, of a bond to, mm. together. So, yeah. you know, and I suppose you grew up with them as well. Yes. Yeah. You know, so your relationship yeah. is close. And I,
1: I'd like to think our relationships are close. Yeah.
0: Yes. I'm sure you're a fantastic mother. <laughs> um, so in terms of your own mental health, did did you ever suffer from postnatal depression, or obviously you've had d- depression and you've suffered with mental health? Mm-hmm. Now looking back, where do you think that stemmed from, and, and, and when did that start happening to you, and did you even know what it was back then?
1: No, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. But I, if I'm honest with you, I think I had suffered from depression in my early. Earlier life, yeah, uh, you know, and I would go right back to when my parents,
0: split. yes, it not does, knowing what it a trigger, was, isn't it? yeah,
1: and not being able to identify how my feelings were, I suppose. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't say I was in it constantly from that age, but I think I dipped in and out of anxiety and upset, and mm. you know, for years, um. And yes, I think there was some postnatal depression involved. Mm. Um, I was extremely ill after I'd had my third daughter okay. um, with mastitis. Ooh. And I was extremely poorly. And um, it had a real knock on my confidence as a young woman. Mm. Um, because I, although I'd got three children, I was still a young woman. Of course, Yeah. And it had an extreme knock on my confidence and the way I felt about myself, mm. and I think that was where I took my deepest dip. Yeah. Into depression. Yeah. I didn't probably. I didn't. I. I didn't recognise it then. Mm. I knew.
0: I knew you know, I wasn't you didn't right. You feel
1: right, but you don't. You just
0: try and keep but on you going on and
1: on. You put things off and you say no, it can't be. You know and anyway nobody will believe you and anyway they send people like you if you did, if you can't they take your kids off you they send you to asylums mm. they do this they do that so all the time you're denying this in yourself yeah a battle in your own head a vicious circle you can't communicate it to somebody else you can't because you're frightened mm. and then it it sits within you and it eats you and it it decays everything that you've got and mm. then, you know, by the time you recognise it or by you're the dried. time you're ready to admit it, you are already at the bottom of that very, very, very deep pass. And, you know, sometimes it takes a lot to get to that point mm. of being able to speak. And I couldn't, because I couldn't balance my own feelings in my own mind, mm. how the hell could I communicate it to anybody? Was there anybody that you spoke to? Not initially, no. Not Absolute, even your husband? No, not even my husband. Yeah. And I remember one day, um, the eldest daughter was at school and the two youngest were at um, preschool. Yeah. Um, and I'd gone into town shopping to do the food shop. Mm. And I didn't drive then, uh, you know, I, I, so I went on the bus and I walked home with the shopping. And I remember that as clear as if it was now. Mm. And, I, you know, my hands were, were hurting because I was carrying heavy bags. And, yeah. And I got home and I just dropped the shopping and I went to phone the Samaritans. And I didn't know yeah. what I was saying. I didn't know why. I didn't know how I felt. I couldn't talk on the phone because I was crying so, so much.
0: Hard.
1: Mm. And it was just... I came off the phone and I thought, well, why have I done that? Because I, I've done... I phoned somebody, but I couldn't talk. I couldn't speak. But somewhere along the lines you were... I knew there
0: was something. And you were trying to somewhere seek help at this point because I think maybe it hit a bit of a wall. You'd hit a wall. I
1: had hit a wall. And I I used to suffer terribly with bad heads or Mm. nausea or, you know, whichever pain it was physically, I would suffer. So it was physical. It was manifesting as physical pain, uh, yeah. and it really was physical it, it, pain. It's, it's amazing,
0: isn't it? Does the mind rule the body, or does the body rule the mind? It's mm. it's it's a powerful thing. The mind is hugely it? powerful. Um,
1: and you know, I felt pain. I felt feelings. I felt palpitations, oh. headaches, and I would go to the doctors week after week. Really? After week. So you was going to the doctors yeah, at this point to try and. Saying, you know this, 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 and then I would think, I, you know, I'd get up in the morning and think, I want to go to bed. I'd go to bed. I think, what if I die in the night? Oh. And it's that whole perpetuation of, you know, frightened, you walk yeah. in in almost a remote invisibility. Mm. And and you know, I know I went. I know I was a nuisance at the doctors, but I didn't know what this was then. I was carrying this thing that was. Making me small, making me shrink, it was painful, it was heavy, it was really hard. A big burden on it you. It really was. Mm. And not knowing what's no. wrong either. And thinking, so did you think how there was do something, I find that, yeah, I thought I was wrong. physically ill, yeah. I really thought I was physically ill, and it's, you know, it's so silly now, when I'm oh, out of no, it, not at all. But I went to the doctors, you know, and they said, no, it's, we do blood tests, we do this, we do tests, no, there's nothing there. And I used to come out and think, they either think I'm not brave enough to be able to be told the news. <laughs> I've, I've got, must have a brain tumour. Because nobody can have this pain, this headache These without headaches. it being, yeah. you know. And then I would think oh, I must have a bad heart, so I'd limit myself what to do. I wouldn't go on rides at the fair with the kids because I thought, what if that gives me a heart attack? All these things manifesting in your mind that you can't rationalise. No. It's so difficult. And I, I, you know, I suppose several years had gone on. Really? For several that. years yeah. of that? Yeah. Oh, like. Several on. years. It was torturous. Yes. And I went then um, to the doctor's one day and it was a different doctor. I hadn't seen this doctor okay. before. And I went with um, neck pain. Okay. Probably from being so tense. Absolutely right. (laughs) Yeah. So I went and I I saw him and he said, you know, okay, um," he said we can do some acupuncture for you and, you know, fabulous. Yeah. And as he got up to look at my neck, I looked at the back of the room and there was a big bookshelf and there was a book. And on the spot, it was the only book, there was hundreds of books on this shelf, but this book stood right out at me and it was an orange book with white letters and on the spine it had depression. Mm. And I just looked at it and I thought, oh God, I wonder if it's that. Is that me? Yeah. Is that what I'm doing? Mm. And I still never said anything. You still didn't say anything? I still sat there, you know, with him examining my neck, thinking, oh, here we go, I'm going to have something wrong with my spine there." Because it really manifested things, as yeah. physical. Yeah. And there wasn't a painkiller that was touching it. There really yeah. wasn't, you, you know, paracetamol, aspirin, whatever I was taking, wasn't mm-hmm. touching it. So I knew it weren't really physically. Mm-hmm. It was the way I was holding or the way I was dealing. Yes. So um, when I saw that book and, I you know, I got it up and the doctor gave me, he said, come back next week, we'll do some acupuncture and take these painkillers. And I I don't know what triggered then. I can't tell you what triggered. Mm. Um. But I went home, picked the children up from school as normal, and nursery, preschool. And I just got this little book, an ordinary, you know what they would call a journalist's notepad. Yes. Just got one of those out of the cupboard, ripped a piece of paper out, Mm. and just started writing words. Do you You think they were how you felt? There were words
0: of feelings. Yeah. And did you feel a bit of relief as soon as you
1: started doing that? Yes, because I didn't read them back, but I knew what I was writing. Yeah. And I'd just, you know, when I'd finished writing, I'd fold the paper up and I'd put it in my coat pocket, Mm. and every time I felt a feeling, I'd get it back out and I'd write something else, what that feeling was. It's the instinct Yeah. something in your
0: brain was telling you to do that and... I think that's a brilliant thing. Yeah. I and always it's write lists.
1: I, I, I don't know why I did mm. it, honestly. You just did it. I just did Impulse. it. Impulse. I just thought, you know, I'm going to do this and then maybe this will help. Yes. Um, and as I say, for the next fortnight, I'd get that piece of I and mean, It was boiled. It was all rubbled up. It was ripped. It was torn. It was. It doesn't matter. Folded though, does in it folded in places. It hadn't been folded. Oh, bless you. And it was. Um, it was covered both sides, yeah. you know, in columns. Yeah. It would, you know, so there might have been a sentence. There might have been random words. There might. And I just kept it in my pocket, and I'd got this appointment with um, Doctor Cassidy. His name was on mm-hmm. the dive surgery. His name is, I should say. Um, and I got this appointment, and I went in, and I'd got my hand in my pocket on this piece of paper, clutching and, it, and, you know, don't. Don't sort of back out now. No. And he said, so what can I do for you today? And I just looked at him and I just pulled my hand out because I couldn't talk. Yeah. I couldn't have Maybe said was anything. Maybe too
0: frightened to sort of say.
1: I think I, I couldn't verbalise it, yeah. I'll be honest, because yeah. I didn't know if could I could comprehend thought. it. I didn't know what was happening to me. Mm. And I thought, are they going to take me away? Are they?" Yeah. But I just thought, you know, I've got to deal with it because it's not getting any better. No. So I just got the piece of paper and I put it across to the table, and then I started crying, and he yeah. started reading. Yeah. And and that was the first time. Really, I had told anybody apart from what I'd managed to blurt out to the lady on the Samaritans hotline. Oh, Lainey, and how many so, years had that been at this point? When when I started to recover, Ooh. um, the doctor thinks it was about ten years before. Ten I... years of suffering like that. Mm-hmm. It just
0: wouldn't happen now, I no, don't think. Wouldn't. I mean, I know we're up against
1: it and the services... wouldn't, but it and... shouldn't happen now. No. You know? More importantly. It really shouldn't happen now.
0: So what happened from that day forward? Did he say and recognise instantly,
1: yes. Laney, you've got depression? Yeah, absolutely. Did you is. feel relief instantly? Yeah, huge. Yeah. I, I did say to him, you're not going to take the kids away, are you? Because it was my natural reaction. Yeah. I did all this stuff of that course. goes round in your head. And you don't know what your rational thoughts are Mm. and what your rational thoughts aren't. You You just know that you don't want your children taken away and you don't
0: want to feel the way that you're feeling, and and nobody should have to feel ashamed or hide it
1: ever. And so he, um, at that point in time, we had a counsellor at the surgery. Okay. Um, So he got me an urgent appointment with her. Gave me some medication, yeah. some antidepressants, and he made an appointment for me to go back to see him the following week. Okay. Um, and I was also having the acupuncture as well because it's absolutely right. The pain in my neck and head was from how I was still, Your posture. i posture, holding myself. I wasn't sleeping appropriately. I wasn't, you know. So it was. From, so many things come into it. Absolutely don't they. right. Yeah. Yeah. People just think, oh yeah, mental
0: health—it's invisible. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. But it, it's so much more Absolutely. how it affects your body. Yeah. Um, the physical manifestations yeah. are huge. You can get massive knots in your neck. You yeah. can't turn your neck properly. Yeah. Did you find the acupuncture help? Yes. Because doctors are normally so, you know, tablet-driven, medication. But I do think that it, I've had acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Not for the same treatment as you, but I've had it. Um, and I,
1: I, I felt... Really good
0: after it. Yeah, me too. I it mean, how?
1: I'm, I'm a soul believer, honestly. I can't stand these people who condemn medicated for, for mental health issues. I can't, I, you can't condemn somebody for taking a medicine of that you makes can't. them better. And there are these medication shamers out there, and that drives me nuts. Mm. That absolutely, because if it was a physical condition, And you were offered a combination of treatments. And I always use the analogy, this was a broken leg. You would have a plaster cast, you would have pain relief, and you would have physio. Of course. Because it's a mental health issue, you shouldn't have tablets. Why shouldn't I? If I want tablets, I'll have tablets. If it's going to make me better, I'll have tablets. And if I need counselling or another therapy, then I'll have that as well. Of course. You know, my life is nothing to do with their life. And I would not have people shaming people for having medication that helps them get better. No, did
0: you watch that um, documentary on Alistair Campbell?: Yes. Yeah. It, and, it's, and it's people that you know, are publicly known and mm-hmm. famous people that are speaking
1: out now. Yes. And I think that's helping. Everybody that speaks out is helping yes. the cause to stamp out the stigma. The reason I am so passionate about it... Sorry, am I preempting empting anything? No, here? go for it. The reason I'm so passionate is I don't want anybody to feel the way that I did when I was at my doctor's and going through my pain. Really? I don't want any woman, man or child to feel that they're going to be put into a hospital, that they're or going to fear, have something fear. took off them, yeah. that they're going to lose their family or they're going to be condemned in the street or not get a job. The stigma around mental illness is absolutely abhorrent. Every time you see something happen, they'll say, if it's been a horrific attack, they had mental health problems. I'm sorry, so have I. Yeah. I'm not going to go and stab anybody or shoot anybody. I'm not anybody. a serial killer. And that's exactly. the point.
0: It, it's the same as upbringings, they always say Upbringings, how many people have come from split parents or mm-hmm. had an awful childhood where they might have been abused or yeah. beaten in any way, shape or form, yeah. but they're not serial killers or murderers. No, exactly. You know, it's, yes, I agree with and you there.
1: I will not have, you know, it absolutely drives me mad mm. when people say, oh God, they need to just, you know, get a grip. Get a grip on oh. what? Yeah. You know what, I wouldn't wish this on the worst enemy, no. but there are some people who need to experience the mental illness themselves.
0: Well, there's a saying, isn't there, you know, and I always say never, ever take the mick out of anybody no. for having something or, you know, or judge them mm-hmm. because people are so judgmental because you never know no. what is going to happen to you in life. Indeed, you don't. You might have the perfect life and then, boom, something mm-hmm. might just happen that you never expect. Yeah. So I always say, never judge anybody.
1: No. And I mean, I do lots of talks to different businesses. Yes. Um, I'm very, very lucky in the fact that my employer um, has signed up to all the mental health stuff that I do. You know, they're fabulous and they're supportive employee, employers to their employees. This is something that I'm quite passionate about. Yeah. you know. Huge. Well-being in the
0: workplace. I think this is respect. coming in, you know really a hot topic at the yes. moment and it needs to be done um, I think the NHS people struggle, they're trying to deal with people with mental health issues mm-hmm. or addiction but yet it's the staff yes. that are affected as well, of course it is, not just in the NHS but it's, it's, it's one that
1: I can area, see in yeah, every yeah. every workplace you know one in four will be diagnosed every year mm. in every 12 months a quarter of the population are diagnosed with a mental ill health condition, yeah so last year, if somebody was diagnosed, they're still suffering this year, chances yeah, are. Yeah. So that makes it two in four. Of course, yeah. So it's only one... You know, when I say only one in four diagnosed in any 12 months, what about the people who were diagnosed before that who are still ongoing? Mm-hmm. Because I still have blips. 30 years on, I still have blips. Yes. And And, you know, I go. I go to my doctor and I say... I'm having a blip. Yeah, I need some support, and I you know, give me some medication. Yeah, and
0: at least you know, I mean, ten years of suffering. Yeah. You're now in a position where you feel confident enough to do that and exactly not ashamed. Right. No, which no. is brilliant. And, and this I will. Is, and for people listening, this is what I hope. You know, if you are people that are silently suffering and do feel that shame and can't vocalise what's happening and all these different feelings, don't be ashamed. No. Speak out.
1: There is. I mean, I I very much encourage people to come and talk. Mm. As I say, I talk to employers now, different things. And the one thing I'll always say, you know, to a group of employees Mm. is the one thing you don't want to find out about is mental health. Mm. It's through your own experience. So don't judge it negatively you'll know if you get it and trust me you won't want to find that out you'll think why did i why didn't i listen Mm. you know it's not easy don't be ignorant of it there but Mm. you can overcome it but you have to talk don't be on your own don't be silent don't think that people are going to judge don't go to somebody you trust yes go to somebody you've got a link with Mm. tell your employer Tell them yeah. you need support. They have a responsibility. They have a duty of care to you. Mm. They have a responsibility for your well-being. Mm. Definitely. And they want to know. Mm. Most employers want to help and support. Of course they do. If they don't, it wasn't the, the right job to be in, was well, it? Well, they don't deserve you working for They it. don't. They no don't. They
0: don't. Um, so obviously, being in, you know, dark places yourself... Um, Where would you say is the best place to start for someone looking to access services to help them?
1: Now, in this day and age?
0: Yeah, here and now, for someone that might be listening to this podcast thinking, do you know what, everything that that wonderful woman Lainey is saying, oh, God, I felt like that, Mm -hmm. or someone's relating to it, but they're they're, they're stuck in a rut, Mm -hmm. or they're going in a dark place and they don't know how to come out of it, where would be the best place to start to try and get some help?
1: I would go to your local GP surgery and see what's there, um, not necessarily with a GP, mm. but they'll have lots of information that they can pass on about self-help groups, peer support groups, mm. um, one-to-one therapies, wellbeing hubs. We have one located in Worcester. Yes. We ask for Worcester wellbeing hub and they've got sort of a directory of lots of um, different services that are on offer yeah. and able to be... Accessed Facebook is uh, a, a social media in itself can yeah. be a really useful tool as well. It
0: can, I mean, it can be a sort of,
1: negative, it can, but it can be a brilliant thing yeah. as well. Yes. So, I would always say, look for events locally to you that yeah. might be happening. And when I'm, I don't mean carnivals and things like that, I mean. Things like peer support groups. Like Mind Charity
0: groups. Find out yeah. your, your nearest Mind Charity yeah. Yeah. group because they do a lot, don't yeah.
1: they? And local community groups. Yes. Local community groups do an awful lot. And I, I know we've spoken before, Emily, about bachelor support groups. Oh, I'm going to get to everything that you do, Laney, <laughs> don't worry. But <laughs> I'm local, saving that one. Local nucleus support groups are there. Yeah. Um, within everybody's community mm. now look for them and if if there's not one in your local area find one that's closest to you and, and attach and to that. Because people there are in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. And so by listening to other
0: people um, and relating to other people mm-hmm. it does help yes. and it does make you feel like you're not alone. Yeah. It's absolutely. actually, you know, okay to have these feelings. It's yeah. you know, not abnormal. It's no, normal.
1: It's normal. Yeah. And it's, you know, and one day mental ill health will be on a, the same parity as physical ill health.
0: It will. It
1: so will. It so will.
0: So obviously we've touched on your journey and what happened to you. Now, at what point, obviously you were on the road to recovery and you got the help that you so deserved and mm-hmm. needed. What then made you think, right? I am going to help other people, and where did that start? How did you get into helping people and tell us and please share with us everything that you do for people and the different things that you do? Because it's so many.
1: (laughs) So um, I truly believe, and I know myself, because I've had my own journey, Mm. I think as that person you are able to spot people who are maybe in, in that situation but still mm. in denial or yeah. not accepting. Mm. Um, so when I felt able enough to approach people, when I when I looked at them and thought, you know, or when I knew them and things, so I suppose this was probably 20 years ago, mm. when I would say to people, you know, I, I had depression some mm. time ago, and I would open a conversation like that. If I, if I felt that that person
0: yeah. You'd start, it needed, needed permission, yeah.
1: that's what I felt I did. I gave people permission to, to talk yes. through my own story mm. because they knew I was in no way going to judge them for what they said to me. Um, so I suppose that was probably 20, just a bit above 20 years yeah. ago when I started doing that mm-hmm. and started thinking, you know what, there's more of this out there than, I really than is obviously. obvious, yeah. really, yeah. to the naked yeah. eye. Um, so it was on a very, very as-and-when Basis, really, you know, if if I knew somebody and I felt that they needed support, then I would talk to them, mm. and I would offer that support as a person, yes, as a as a co-sufferer, if yeah. you like, yeah. Um, and then in two thousand and five, um, I just sort of started talking to people on a different level. Mm. So I'd start the conversation with them, and then. You know, they'd sort of come to me on a regular basis then. Mm. Um, and at work, they started a phone-a-friend scheme. Oh, yeah. Which is a group of volunteers who agreed to be um, a nominated person that if you, as a colleague, wanted to talk to somebody, you could. Mm. So I, I helped design that Brilliant. with the HR manager, as then was. Um. And I was on that as one of the, the phone friends as well. Yes. Um, and then that really did take off and was really well used by staff. Oh, good. You know, it was really sort of... And it was just a listening ear every now and again. Mm. just to, Where was it that you worked at this point? At Redditch Borough Council. At the Redditch council. Redditch Town Hall. Got it. Um, so that took off really
0: well, mm. so... And did you feel... That you had even more of a passion and... Yes. ...even more of a drive to want to... Yeah. ...help people,
1: yeah. Because then I was also seeing how people were reacted to, you see, if they disclosed or if they said anything to certain people. Not... By no means, I'm not saying it was a bad employer or anything like that, but because it still wasn't spoken about very much... ...there were reactions that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know? Understand. So... um, I then sort of got a bit more involved Mm. (laughs) and um, started doing different things and um, I uh, was supporting people who were going through really tough times Mm. um, at work and outside of work at that time and and I know that's sort of where I wanted to go in life, that's what I wanted to do and Time to Change launched, which is yes. the national um, sort of movement to stamp out the stigma. So I became a champion for Redditch, Time to Change champion for Redditch as part of that. Um, and I then started to access training for myself
0: Brilliant. in
1: order to become a therapist. Yeah. Um, and I'm a therapist, different practitioner in different things. OK. Um, So elaborate on the therapy side of things Okay, so I've trained and I'm an NLP master practitioner Brilliant I am a hypnotherapist I'm an IEMT practitioner with Integral Eye Movement Therapy I am a Rahani practitioner And I am currently on the road to looking at being a Reiki practitioner Reiki, Reiki um, some of which are relaxation therapies, some of which are talking therapies. Brilliant. Um, which all play a part. A huge part, yeah. absolutely, because the biggest thing I found was I couldn't relax. Yes, and obviously so, that affected your posture. Of course it and, does. And that. Yeah. So I've, I've taken those training courses um, to enable me to do what I do to support people in a better I suppose, more focused way. Yes. I am a mental health first aider as well. Brilliant. Um, and I'm also looking to become a mental health first aid... First aider, trainer. Trainer, <laughs> yes. got it. Yeah. OK. So there's so much that you do. So, yeah. It's almost like...
0: And I don't know whether this would be right, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you feel that everything that you went through was almost like a bit of a destiny for you yes. to help other people and do yes. what you do? because. You know, I said it earlier on, you you know, you do have a gift. Thank I you. I think that people are able to talk to you. I certainly was. I told you things I wouldn't... Some of my own friends didn't know, close Thank friends. Thank you. So I do feel that you have got that natural gift to be out, And people feel easy about to be able to talk to you. So and having all of those other things,
1: mm-hmm. you know, is just wonderful what you're doing for people. I am always privileged when people tell me. Because it means they trust me. Yeah. And I am humbled and privileged by that because, you know, I know how hard that is. Yes. I know that that conversation, that disclosure is really difficult. Yes. So I am always humbled and I always say thank you because it does make me feel privileged Mm. that they've chosen me. Yes.
0: So So what else? So you're obviously involved with time... Time to change. change the champion for that, obviously the, mm-hmm. all the therapy side of things. Um the Bachelor Support Group. Yeah.
1: Did you I I was so, I've been involved with Bachelor Support Group for over twenty years. Okay. Um up until recent months I was a trustee of Bachelor Support Group. Um and in order for me to be able to facilitate other things, I've I've stepped down as a trustee, as a yeah. support group. And that just I'm still there. like a local community? It is group. a local charity. Yeah. It is a so charity. people weekly come in? Is it like a yeah. drop-in? Yeah, I mean, it does many different things. Okay. Um, it runs a food share six nights a week. Brilliant. Um, for people who are struggling with uh, finances Finance. and food and things like that. It supports vulnerable people in the community. It does a couple of community events a year. Yes. And um, I run mental health well-being peer support groups at the venue on a Monday night, specifically for women. Mm. Um, But I do also one-to-one sessions of therapies and counselling for people for Bachelor support group, free of charge. Um, People don't have to pay because my biggest bugbear... Is, money. Is, is the fact that, you know, there's great services out there if you can pay £90 an hour. Yeah. No. It's not, it, yeah. you know, it, it isn't a condition of the rich. Of course it isn't. <laughs> it's a condition that does not discriminate. If you're going to get it, it's going to choose you, you're yeah. going to get it. And I love you, the way you've put that. The, the power of somebody to have to pay for that treatment mm. should not happen. It shouldn't. So read again you know
0: so I that's all voluntary
1: yes I do those those therapies and how long has um have you been involved in in the bachelor support group how long has that been running 20, uh, it's been running 30 odd years but yeah. I've been a trustee um for 20 plus years yes um and heavily involved for for about 25 years and what else do you do? Because okay. there is a lot. Okay. <laughs> so, I, along with a couple of other colleagues, mm-hmm. um, as, as a collaboration between Bachelor Support Group, Redditch Mental Health Action Group, and Green Willow Healing Group. Run a men's peer support group on a Wednesday night down at Redditch United Football Club. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, and they're fabulous down there. You know, Jim and um, all the team down there who facilitate that for us is are fabulous. Yeah. They really are. Yes. So, um, so yes, we run that. Um, I'm a newly appointed trustee of Redditch Mental Health Action Group. Of which Brilliant. I'm Congratulations. Extremely proud and extremely honoured to, to yes, have been... Yes,
0: it, it needs it and you'll be fantastic. Thank you. It's yeah. what you are, what Mental Health
1: Action Group needs. Thank you. Uh, what plans have you got for that? <laughs> <laughs> Loads of plans of what the future might hold and what we might do. Um, I'm thinking we need to sort of start bringing in um like a comedy club, oh um okay. and poetry and things like that, like oh wow, um, I like
0: that the sort sound of thing that. because um you know, you know people that have depression um people from all walks of life, and some very talented people, and mm-hmm. if you can write in poetry about how you feel, yeah um or even sing it or rap it or yep. or whatever for different age groups. Yes. I think that's a wonderful thing because it's a way of expressing feelings. Yeah, absolutely right. So I think that's yeah. I think that's a, a brilliant idea.
1: Yeah. And I want to um or I mean I I would love to be able to do something about young people. Yes. And do you know maybe do some workshops or something with them about mental health and safe mental health and self-care?
0: Yes, yeah, so young people, um from what kind of age group? Because I think we were having a chat which mm-hmm. we obviously got quite passionate about. <laughs> We've saved it before this interview about obviously um the educational system, the pressures that are put on young yeah. children. To perform and be on target, and I think the schools are up against it. Um, you know, with sticking to a curriculum that's that's put in place from the government, but they're failing to see yes. all these pressures and exams from such a young age is having such an impact on children's mental health, which then develops into teenagers. Yes. So I'll I'll let you elaborate and continue on that.
1: I think it would be a fallacy to think that children of any age don't suffer from mental health. Mm. It's the same as physical health. If you're going to have bad mental health or bad physical health, you're going to have it at any age. Yes. It's going to happen. It will. Now, I truly believe that I I am a governor of a school. I'm a governor of Batchley First School. And I'm a proud governor of Batchley First School. Oh, yes, a wonderful school. And... I truly believe that the schools do not get the support that they need from the government. I don't think the teachers get the support that they need and I don't think the children get the support they Mm. need. And I'm not being political here because I don't think they get it from any government of the last 30, 40 years, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, agreed. I'm going to hope that they get it from future governments. But I do think good mental health should be on the curriculum. I think it should be there and up front about being able to talk about your feelings openly mm. and teaching kids what's good mental health. Yes. You know, allowing children to be children, allowing them to play, allowing them to explore. Take all the target pressures off the schools. Yeah, I Some agree. children aren't academic. Some no. children don't need to be academic. And I'll tell you this now, and I'm going to mention her name and she'll kill me for it, but my middle daughter, Kaylee, will tell you, she hated school. Yeah. She went purely for the social activity. Yes. She hated I'm it. I'm the same. Absolutely. Sports,
0: yeah. day, PE, I was there. Had a bad experience with maths, put me off maths forever. Of course. I yeah. was just too frightened yeah. to say anything in case I got it wrong, or yeah. was made to feel stupid, or stand up and... Yeah say, the times tables if I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. So I just completely had a mental block on it.
1: Yeah. And how many people... I mean, I I can speak to 100 people a day and 98 of them will say, I can't speak in public because I was made to stand up in class and read. Mm. We all yeah. know those people. Oh, we God probably J. are those people ourselves. Gosh, yeah, completely. You know? And that's the whole point. Where Where did we get that children aren't allowed a childhood? So I am going off on a tangent now. No, I think
0: we need to because it's a very important topic, and I said earlier I think this is going to be brought mm. to the forefront because it's an issue that people know that's there, yeah, but I don't think it's been looked mm-hmm. up um, properly by the right people. Mm. Um, you know, I it, mean, it's what it's... about the children that have got? You know, um, my daughter, for example. You know, she she had a heart operation mm-hmm. six weeks before. Um, oh, sorry, a week before she started school. She that delayed her mm-hmm. in starting school until yeah. six weeks after everybody else. She started. All of the, all the people in her class had made little friendship bonds, and she found it hard to yeah. settle in. And then there's all these other, you know, <clears throat> learning. You've got to read every night. Spellings every every other week. Mm-hmm. Maths tests and they're timed at the age of six. You know, within three minutes. And where some children are, are brilliant at it, some people, some children aren't. Um, and and then they have to look at you know implications as to to you know is confidence with mm-hmm. with my daughter. It certainly was. You know, she'd been through all that.
1: And no child is the same. No
0: child is the same. They so are she,
1: unique. Yeah. And that's what makes them amazing.
0: Pearl's so creative. Of course she is. And why,
1: why, why are we inhibiting that? Exactly. Why? Exactly. What gives us that right?
0: Mm. You know? For me, it was... We're, we're in year one now. She's just about to start year two. Um, after the six weeks holidays. And for me, it was either I'm going to get a home tutor mm-hmm. to try and bring her up to scratch or it was stagecoach, I've enrolled her in stagecoach. Good for
1: you. Good. Because that allows her creative flow. Yes, and she loves it. And, you know, we inhibit so much of what is naturally us in order to conform Mm -hmm. to whatever society says we've got to be, whether we've got to be thin, whether we've got to be tall, whether we've got to be female, whether we've got to be feminine, whether we've got to be uncreative society is playing its biggest part in this and so true. we are benchmarking so much on what perfection is fictional there is nothing perfect it's mm. a fictional word it's so true but we are building and basing everything on this perfect model of what exactly we 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 are unique that's what makes us human that's not what we're not machines we are human, we are unique, and we should be allowed to embrace that. Mm, completely. And so when I say young people, I mean, there's a fantastic uh, community group called Just a Minute who do bespoke uh, plays and things like that. Mm. That's what I would just love to be doing. Just A Minute. Okay. And they, you know, they can sort of write scenarios, and they've done a lot of work in the mental health okay. section. Um, and that's what I'd be looking at. I'd, I'd be looking as Mental Health Action Group trustee yes. to say, come on, let's get some schools in. Let's Brilliant do this idea. with them. Yes. Let's take them out into the woods and let them pick grass. Mm. Let us let them do this. Let let's them daydream. Do, yeah, absolutely. Yes, Allow them. To be children. Yeah. And that's what I would like. So, so when you say to me, what age... The age is the age, whether it's not, whether it's 90, yeah. whether it's 150. We, we all have physical health. We all have mental Ill, mm. mental health. Of the course. two are the same and they all they need are. proactive management. Definitely. You couldn't have put it better. So, you couldn't have put it better. Thank you. I'm sorry so, if i went on. No, on that <laughs> don't
0: apologise because I think it's important and it's a topic that needs to be talked about. Um, so that particular young mental health group... You run that weekly as
1: well? Um, yes, the, there's a weekly session of that, yeah. But okay. I, I want, I w- I would love it to be in the schools. Yes. That's what I would love it to be. I'm sure it will be, if yeah. you've got anything to do with it, Lainey. <laughs>
0: um, so, will as we're kind of talking about the different sort of, um, you know, mental health in different age groups, you mentioned about the Redditch United Football Club. Mm-hmm for men yes, and there's a big this is also a big topic and there's yeah. also a lot of stigma attached to men not talking yeah. and very unfortunately and this is something very close to my heart the suicide rate in men is rising and it's a lot higher than women because I think men don't talk mm-hmm. um, and I think this is something also that needs to be totally Looked at, and I think the fact that you're going in each week to you know the Redditch United Football Club, um, tell us about
1: it. Okay, so we've been to a couple of matches with the stand for the time to change, yeah. And it's really, really interesting because the first time we were there, lots of we'd stop lots of men, and and you know, as they were coming in, and we'd say, Do you want to have a free cup of tea? because we'd give them a voucher for a free cup yeah. of tea or something like that. And they'd talk to us. Um, yes. But it wouldn't be about them. Yes. It this would is be, the problem. Oh, my how do wife you, how do my you child. have
0: techniques to get a man to talk?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they would say, oh, my, oh, I know because my wife said that, or my child, my daughter, or it was always about the female per, part of their life, mm. you know, whether it was the daughter, mother, wife, sister... And so we started to say, well, have you, you, know, have you ever had any thoughts? Because, you know, my husband has. Mm. That sort of thing. So you and started you know, from that started point of... Giving the permission and allowing it to be. And I think it's fabulous that these young footballers are coming out and saying things now that, that you know... Um, they're opening up about their own mental illness yeah. and and their experiences Brilliant. that's fabulous and yes. that is starting to bring men round it really is good i think it's the younger men as well okay. that we really need to open those doors for mm. because there's so much there's so much pressure on every young person now yes but there's a young you know as 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 society what do we say when a child cries if it's a boy? Oh, be a big boy. Big boys don't cry. Mm. Yes, they do. They should. And they can. Completely. Oh, get up. It don't hurt. You're a boy. Yeah. Yes. You, 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 you've
0: said it. You know, it is, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Big mm-hmm. boys don't cry. Yes,
1: they do. And yes. they should. we feelings. We're all human. Just because we're male or female doesn't mean we have different emotional levels mm. or different emotional resilience. Mm. We should allow that. Of course. You know, we, we, we have to explore our own emotions. If you were... See, I'm off one more now. No, again. go for it. If you were watching a film with your child, would you tell them not to laugh? No. No. Laughing's brilliant, but I also wouldn't tell them not to cry. Yeah, but some people do. Mm. Some people say, don't cry. And when I say to people, why would you say that? Would you tell them not to laugh? And it's like, it's well, getting no, of course them to, I wouldn't. Getting them to think in a different well, way. Yeah. What you're doing is telling them to suppress an emotion. And that's not good. No, that's because that healthy. emotion, you then lock away. Of course you do You bury up. And it festers eventually. And don't get me wrong, I'm not blaming anyone for this. This is society as a yes. whole. This isn't anybody who sort of took this and thought, oh, I'm going to make them not cry. Mm. This is society. Yeah. It's what it's instilled you know? in us, isn't it? It's, what, it's passed
0: out from generation to generation.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember the headlines um, when Paul Gascoigne, some years ago, was um, oh, in yeah. one of the World Cup, Semi-finals, and he was given a red card, so he couldn't play in the final or yeah, something. I remember it. And he was crying, and the headlines were, "He's crying like a baby." <laughs> Footballers have it hard, actually. Absolutely, they do. Yeah. What? What? Who? Who judges that? Who has the right to say that? If you could see me cry sometimes, I look like Alice Cooper when <laughs> I've finished. <laughs> but, me too. <laughs> But I you know, it always gives me a headache if I cry, but I feel yes. so much
0: better. Afterwards, yes. I really Because it's do. releasing that emotion. Of course it is. Which is natural. And why
1: wouldn't you cry? It, it's the why same. Wouldn't What's you the really same for a woman? It's the same for a man. Of course it is. Completely, yeah. So I, I do have this in my bonnet that, mm. you know, we as society have to start stepping up and challenging these things when they happen, mm. whether that's in the media, whether that's in... You know, an environment, whether that's in a family unit. Yeah, completely. You know, um I've got two grandsons now. I've got a a a granddaughter and two grandsons, and I've got another grandson during in October. Oh I will be allowing them to cry. Yes, completely. I will not be shutting them up saying big boys don't cry. Because big boys do cry. Of course they do. And not. absolutely, so they should. Yes. You know? People like Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury coming out and saying things like oh, that. It's fabulous. Do you know oh, what? I absolutely
0: idolise them. And Tyson yeah. Fury, you know, I love, Absolute. I'd love him to come on my podcast. It, there you go. I've tried to contact him. I've had no response. I'm not going to lie. But I think what he does yeah. and the way that he does his mental health um, clips and he puts them on Instagram. And yeah. the response, yeah. it just goes to show, doesn't it?
1: There's an untapped vein
0: there. You know, if people were so ashamed, yeah. men, especially here, because that's the topic that we're talking about, mm-hmm. they wouldn't get the response. No, and only. I look at the amount of views and the comments, mm-hmm. um, and I saw a clip on Facebook that was... Um, heads Together. Yeah. Um, Prince... Prince William. William and, William and Prince Harry. I think you might have seen it as mm-hmm. well, um, where he was in the changing room yeah. with... Um, Peter, Peter Crouch, Crouch and who, yeah. who, who was so tortured, yeah, yeah. And people don't realise the taunting. It's oh, it's a game of football, you know. Mm. Look at how much money they're being paid. Yes, that's a different subject. Nobody's paid I mean,
1: but enough but, to take personal. No, they're abuse. not completely. Nobody.
0: and you know, yes, it, you know, eventually, you just want to play a game of football, of and you they're do. having to be subjected to that kind of.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, every time somebody says something negative, whether we're saying it to ourselves or whether we're saying it to others, that sticks. It, it does. sticks in your subconscious. It does. I was I was with a, a lady yesterday evening doing a one to one, and um, I said to her, I said, if somebody said to you, I like that dress on you, and somebody else said, I don't like that colour on you, what would stick in your mind? Oh yeah, it's the negative. And isn't it's it? the negative. Why what, right, have we got why to do, do we that? think like that as well? And this is why I I'm, I bang on so much. Our Monday night group will tell you they hate it. <laughs> when I when we come to the end of the group and I'll say what are you doing for self-care this week? Mm. Because they know if they can't come up with something, I'll say look in the mirror. Oh yes. Tell yourself you're beautiful. Say hello to yourself. Yes. Recognize. Mm. And and you know it Self-care doesn't take a lot. It isn't all spa days and expenses. Of course it's not. You know, self-care can be sat with your feet up for ten minutes drinking a cup of tea. I when did When you were a busy working parent. Yes, I you did know? it today.
0: I sat in my garden and I uploaded yeah. a picture yeah. of my garden and the trees
1: blowing in the wind and it oh, just felt so
0: peaceful there you go. for 10 minutes
1: and that's all it takes it's so true but self-care we don't practice it enough we don't we really don't and it's about being kind well, we're always beating ourselves up in always. their mind I do it I think oh
0: no I've, well, I've sat for 10 minutes now I better do something mm-hmm. oh you know there's those cups I need to wash up or mm-hmm. there's the tea to put on or I need to do this and I think just give yourself
1: a break and yeah. we do it we beat ourselves up yes all the time. Mm. And we say, we say things, oh, look at those grey hairs. Why look at those grey hairs? Look at all the other colours on your head. Exactly. <laughs> for the record, he's got bright red hair it's fantastic. <laughs> but we all do it. You we know? do. Oh, God, look at those wrinkles. Well, they're there for a reason. Mm. You know? I don't ever want Botox. No. You know, I'm I... Happy, I'm, I'm happy if with growing old gracefully, well, was I um, think. There was a talk show yesterday on... BBC Hereford and Worcester, yeah, and it was there was an hour sort of phoning um, about plastic surgery yeah. and Botox. Well, I I did for my fiftieth birthday. I thought I'm going to have Botox. See what it looks like. Okay. Wow. Tried it. I did it for I did it on a bucket list. One I couldn't afford to keep it up because I'd have to be, you know, multi millionaire. To keep up with that sort of And money. have the right treatment by the right Botox Two, person. Yeah, and, and I have to say, I did my research. Yes. She was a, a practising nurse. Two, though, it wasn't me. It wasn't what I mm. am. You know, it didn't have an expression. And three, I thought, by the time I finished this, I could look like Stretch Armstrong's mother. <laughs> <laughs> Best leave this alone. I mean, don't
0: get me wrong. I think plastic surgery and some Botox for people that really need it.
1: I'm all for freedom of choice. Oh, God, People have their choice. What bothers me is what lies beneath that choice. Mm. Is it because of this fictional perfect that's promoted everywhere? Yeah. Is it because of that? Mm. Is it something else? Does that person need something else other than... Yeah. You know, and that's what bothers me, is that sometimes it's done with the best will in the world, but without any real thought process. That's that's what worries me. And fine, if that's what they want to do, I don't have an issue with whatever people want to do. You Mm. know, if they want uh, bigger breasts, if they want smaller breasts, if they want a facelift. That's absolute, absolutely, absolutely up to them. But yeah. my my beef is what's driving that? Yeah. What's the real reason? Yeah. Is it because they're trying to look like something that's perfect and not achievable? Exactly. Except if you've got, you know, a really good photo shopping kit.
0: But and this is the other thing, isn't it? People upload pictures they're you not know, real. and they're filtered. Mm? And they're so and it's just like oh and then you think, well, you know, if I was on a dating site, for example, and I've never been on one in my mm-hmm. life, but if I was, and I think, I wonder if this is actually yeah,
1: how they look. Questioning. Yeah, yeah all you, the you would, time,
0: wouldn't you? Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I don't use filters because basically I wouldn't no. know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm technologically challenged, so, yeah. you know, I wouldn't know what to do, but I get, I get why people do it, but... It's the, that, again, it's the it comes back to the underlying
0: perfection of what yeah. society tells us we should yeah. look like. Or... It's the
1: underlying for me. Yeah. And I don't think... I don't buy that people say, I just want to do it because I want to do it. Mm. I wanted, I tried Botox because I thought, maybe if it gets rid of these wrinkles here, and maybe if It'll it will make you that. feel better. But it didn't. So, mm. you know.
0: Mm. So... Obviously you've got your fingers in lots of different pies. I have. You're involved in so much and you do so much for the community and the wider community as well, which we're all very grateful for. And you've helped countless people. Um is has there been a particular story that stood out for you that along the way that you've felt proud of that you've helped this person? I know obviously confidentiality no, no, no. And,
1: and stuff, but there is one I'm particularly humbled by, mm. um, and it's a young person who I have worked with um, who had, you know, lots of anxiety, mm. peer pressures, yeah. schools, that sort of thing. And, um, and I haven't brought it with me, but they drew me a picture. Mm. And it was just... It made me cry, I have to say. It really did make me cry. Because it was a beautiful picture of a tunnel Mm. and darkness and a person here and a person there like this. Holding their hands up. Yeah. And there were footsteps. Through the tunnel. Through the tunnel. And this was dark and that was light. Oh. And it, it just said the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, wow. And it... It's simply stunning.
0: I use that expression a lot. Mm. Um, and it's the whole reason for this podcast. There is mm-hmm. a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Even when you think there isn't. Yeah. You're in the darkest place yeah. you've ever been. The pits. Absolutely right. You feel like you're in hell. But you
1: think, I'm never going to come out of this. No. You can. You do, absolutely. And you and think no, stays that, the same forever. That, for me, was the most privileged thing I could have ever done. It, it it. really humbled me to think yeah. that that person felt that benefit so much. You know, and, and to, and to be you. fair, they did all the work. Mm. I just facilitate it. They do all the work. They do, but through your... <laughs> through writing. facilitation. Yes. Yeah. And And, you know, that person... That young person is is making great strides and will go far in life. Brilliant, yeah. So I'm, yes, I'm privileged, humbled, and proud of that piece of work. Good. And I guess there's been some
0: very challenging moments. Yes. And I think I think you shared a story with me when we first met about people you know that can't cope with certain people. They normally end up phoning eh? (laughs) Lainey. Yep. So how do, you, how do you sort of combat and, and deal with people that are difficult? Because not everyone's the same. No. Some people don't want to help themselves. Absolutely. Or they are aggressive yep. or whatever the issue might be. How do you kind of combat that?
1: My, um, the person who I trained with for my NLP, yeah. um, Master Practitioner, mm. Mark, a guy called Mark Peters, who's an amazing an amazing tutor, I'll be honest with you. Um, He sets things out for you on your training, as in, you know, what are you going to do if this happens? What are you going to do if that happens? And I'm a very, very forthright sort of person. Hmm. Um, So I sort of took what he taught me and put it into my world. Okay. And so I just, I set my limits. Yes. And I set my boundaries. You have to. And those. if that person or anybody crosses them, I stick to what I say I'm going to do. Mm. And if that means saying to somebody, leave, I'm not going to see you again, that's what it, it means. May be it. And I always set those boundaries first. You know, before I have any... Well, I have a, the first one-to-one I have mm. with anybody is a discussion about what I expect from them, what they expect from me. And what isn't acceptable. And it's about then, you know, at the end of that session I will say, Do you think you can work with me? Because it's their choice if they don't. Mm. And it's that's that is always said to them. So you give them the choice. Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then I suppose it's about respect then. And that just yeah. happens naturally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and you know, I have had people say, Oh, I can't work with you, or, you know, I work with other people better than you, fine. Then go. Yeah. That is exactly what I say. Okay, bye. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I have to say, in all the times that that's happened, and it's not many, but they're still with me. They come so back. they've they've come back, they phoned they've phoned me, it. or they've yeah. come back in and apologised and they've come back. Mm. Or they phoned and said, Can I please have another appointment? <laughs> and I don't do it in a nasty in a way. Manner. No, not at I all. I don't and you set the have to set you have to self-guard yourself and you have yeah, exactly. to have your own boundaries. And
0: you know the limitations. I,
1: you know, Emily, I work full time, I have a very busy life. Yes. The time very... I give for free, I can't I can't afford to waste. No. Because there's other people waiting to take that slot. Of course. And and when I say I can't afford to wait what I really mean is I don't want anybody to take a slot that doesn't need it or of doesn't course, want yeah. it. And so I'm quite... somebody could be in a desperate situation exactly right. that's waiting exactly and needs right. help. Exactly yeah. right. And, and so, so time-wasting is not a tolerance of mine. Completely and And right. I'm, you know, I'm never, ever nasty. I'm just forthright and say. And oh, I also us. say to people, because there's always the issue when something is free, people think it's not valuable. So oh, okay. they they might not turn up one week um, without telling you and, and things yeah. like that. So I always say to people, if, you, if you're not going to turn up, text me with a reason. Yes. Not because I'm precious about it, but because I want to know. I don't want to sit there for an hour. Mm. Possibly because you're late. So I always say, let me know. That's and if you don't account, let me know yes. and you don't reschedule, you're off the list. Yeah. That's the reality of it because those, those times that people need precious. are precious. And, and I do have a waiting list and I don't like having a waiting list mm. because I'm not offering anything anybody else can't offer if I've got a waiting list. Of course. And, and you know, I don't want people to have to wait no. for, for, you know, intervention mm. for them. Hmm. so I am always very very strict on that matter I don't blame you I think it's needed and it's clear then from the start Um, and again
0: the respect element of it it's a free service you're giving up your time you've got a full time job you're helping so many people Um, so I completely agree with you I think it's the best way to be so obviously you are very very busy Mm -hmm. and do a lot for everybody Um, what do you do for you what's What's your kind of happy go-to place that, you know, you must obviously still have your blue days. Mm-hmm. What
1: brings life and happiness back to you when you're having those feelings? Okay. So it's my children and my grandchildren and my family and my dog. Oh. Um scruff yeah. scruff. scruff. And I have lots of strategies that I practice okay. to to get me back to that place. I love my garden, I have to say. Me too. Um, and sometimes if the dark days are too bad I'll lose myself in a game. I'll you know, I'll play a game on the PlayStation or something. Yeah. If I try and switch yeah, off. Absolutely. Where I don't have to think, where I don't have to feel, where I don't have to talk. Mm. Um, it's not very often, they're few and far between those times, yeah. but it's there Yes. if I need it. Yeah.
0: Well, I imagine, you know, um, happiness breeds happiness and mm-hmm. negativity can also mm-hmm. bring negativity. And uh, being surrounded, you know, constantly by listening to people's issues and problems, and some of them must be so heartbreaking, yeah. you know, I don't know... If I could do it, I think it takes a special person, and you obviously are that special person, how to switch off Mm -hmm. and get back to your life with your husband and your children and your grandchildren. That must be sometimes difficult.
1: It is. um, The one thing I always say to people, my home is my sacred place. Yes. So I don't see anybody at home. Of course. And I won't have people contact me at home. It's, it's extremely sacred, my home. I mean, there are, you know, because of where I live, I live, you know, in Batchley Estate and I'm Still. quite well known. Yes. Um, and nobody breaks that sanctuary, mm-hmm. nobody. But I make it clear that that's my sanctuary. Yeah, I think you have to. I really do make there's. that clear, Yeah. you know. Um, and it's my safe space. Yes. Where I go to recover if I need to and when I need to. Mm. And when I leave wherever I am, mm. whether I'm at the support group, whether I'm at the football club, whether I'm at work, I visually, in my head, lock that door. And yeah. I lock that door and I leave the key at work. Mm. So I can't get back in in my head yeah. until I'm actually back there. And has that taken practice over the years? Yeah. 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 Mm. So tomorrow night, when I leave work, I will lock the office door and I know I can't go back in until Monday. Mm. So your full-time job is at... Redditch and Bromsgrove Councils, where I'm a trade union rep for Unison. Yes.
0: Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit and tell us about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's something that um, is passionate for me, again. Mm. Um, It involves a lot of the mental health work I do because it's a supportive role and a supportive structure. Um, And it's something really that... I didn't aim to do, um, if you like. It was sort of... it. I fell into it, mm. literally. And um, thought, oh, I quite like this. <laughs> and was that from, obviously,
0: when you were doing the whole phone a friend, it just sort of... Yeah, it, 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 it just sort of and stemmed and fell into from there. Yeah.
1: Um, and then people would come to me for information and advice and think, oh, OK. And then the, um, the union rep, the branch secretary who was there... Um, said, I'm retiring. So I thought, well, somebody's got to do it. Maybe I'll just have a look. And You're and that's what there. happened. Yes. <laughs> and I've been doing that now since 2014. So, yeah. Brilliant. And I love it. I do love my work. I'm very lucky. Every yeah. aspect, voluntary and paid work. I love every bit of it. Mm. I really do. So, obviously, you...
0: Um, talk to the men, children, women's support group, the therapy side of things. I don't know whether there's one that stands out more that you get more enjoyment out of or whether it's aspects of all of them.
1: There are aspects of all of them. um, But if I had to choose one, Mm. it would be the women's group. Yeah. And the reason it would be the women's group is... um, I have a passion for equality and, you know, being seen as women, not objects. I completely agree. But I also have a passion for people who are tough enough to escape abuse situations. Mm. And that's where I think some of my women's work comes from. Yes. Um, and that gives me enormous pride, enormous pride where women have found that strength to remove themselves from situations Mm. that are negative for them. Mm. And so if I had to take one, it's because of those experiences in in women's peer support. Oh, completely. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of women who have been in abusive relationships, whether that's with the partner or parents or Mm. whatever it is, um, suffer with mental ill health yeah. and negative body images and all yes. sorts of things. So yes. I enjoy seeing that flourish. And then come back and to that life.
0: New life. And be the, the women yeah. that they should be. Indeed. Yeah. I um I've got a very big passion yeah for equality and women being powerful. Why mm-hmm. not? Yeah. Why not? Um educated myself on it and watched a film called The Suffragettes with Helena Bonham Carter, until I watched that, mm-hmm. I didn't realise just what they did. Exactly. Um, so I'm eternally grateful yeah. um, for, for, for what they did for women because mm-hmm. we wouldn't be where we are now, would we? No.
1: And last year, for the, for the centenary anniversary of some women getting the vote, yeah. my branch, Unison, we organised a Redditch, Celebrate Redditch Women event. Oh, yeah. 2018, and it went really well. It was fabulous, and all these fabulous women, you know, who yeah. don't normally celebrate themselves, sort mm. of were nominated for different awards. and Oh, oh it was just amazing. The, the, the event was at the St Stephen's so, Church. Yes. The and, amount of pride, oh, just, just, I can't imagine. Honestly, yeah. it was just amazing.
0: So, obviously, with
1: therapies
0: and talking to people, um, and obviously, we've, we've touched on self care. I also think, you know, people become recluses and they get into ruts and I don't think people realize the health Mm -hmm. benefits and the mindfulness and the well-being behind, you know, getting out there, joining a hobby, Mm -hmm. going to a support group, just simply going for a walk. Yeah. Um, I find, you know, I started walking. Yeah. um, A lot. A couple of years ago, um, so much so that I actually signed up to the Birmingham Children's Hospital and did Snowden. Wow. Raise money for them. Yeah. Fabulous. Charity, another charity close to my heart. And it did wonders for me. And I still walk now. Good. Um, So what do you think, you know, amongst the other self-care tips, you know, do you think could benefit people that, you know, are struggling, that are having counselling but need you know, that, yeah, they need that extra step now. They've, mm. they've sought help or they haven't and they just need something in their life. What other self-care tips do you think okay. you could advise people of?
1: There's lots of groups around that do things like knit and natter or walk and talk groups. Yeah. But I would also approach a local charities, your local community groups and see what there are voluntary opportunities. Mm. Volunteering is a really good way of helping. That's why I started volunteering with Bachelor Support Group yes. was because it was part of my ability to recover. It, it facilitated that. Mm. And, you know, lots of people out there looking for companionship, trends, trends groups, um, lots of people with disabilities... As well, who wouldn't necessarily be able to go out for a long walk but would benefit from a short walk with somebody accompanying them. So there's lots of different activities out there. You know, the library in Redditch Mm. Town Centre and um, Bromsgrove offer, you know, different things, different activities, different times. There's lots of free courses on IT now at the councils and different places. Just start taking some time for you. Yeah. And and by doing something that you enjoy, that's the important. Don't feel oh, I've got to sign up for an IT course and I don't wanna do that. If you don't wanna do that, don't do that. Yeah. Do something for you. Don't put yourself under any no. unnecessary and pressures. That, that might be pottering in the garden. It could be. Or, you know, just walking to the to feed the ducks or there's you so know, much walk enjoyment, the isn't there? Yeah. You know, there's huge things that you can do. Mm. Um to get yourself out, smile at somebody once a day. I love that. Um, that was written in Fern Cotton's book, mm-hmm. Happy,
0: which mm-hmm. oh, I love. I love that woman. And it's true mm-hmm. because although you might be feeling it, but just smile at a stranger and if they smile back... Make their day. It does, doesn't it? Make it their really day. It really does. Yeah.
1: Somebody said to me the other night... Um, I think women are notoriously bad for taking compliments. Yes, they Especially are. Especially if it's off another woman.
0: Yeah. It will be, oh, this top, oh, I've had it
1: ages. Rather than just saying, thank you. Yes. <laughs> and, and somebody on Tuesday who I've, I'd only met twice um, just said, I love the colour of your hair. And I said, thank you. And she sort of went, oh. <laughs> Didn't know how to take it. No, she didn't know how to respond because I had took a compliment because we're also used to women saying, Oh no, you know, I've just slung this on, or no, I don't normally do my hair, or we we're so bad at it. So bad. But that makes us equally bad at giving compliments to other yeah. people. And that we need to practice. Yeah, I think
0: Women empowering women definitely Mm. don't you you because people get green eyed don't they? Mm -hmm. Jealous and they want to look like this or you know. But you need to lose that. Yes. I think you know, paying a compliment to another woman is is brilliant and it's a
1: brilliant feeling to receive it it and to give it. But also start with yourself. Mm. Look in the mirror. I like you. I like your hair today. Mm. You're looking all right today. Yeah. You know. I did that list with my mum. Has to be done. Oh, gosh, yeah.
0: Honestly, it really does. Because we beat ourselves up so much, it's time mm-hmm. to change the thought patterns of,
1: well, you know, Turn what it do round. I like about myself? Turn, Turn it round. There are things there yeah. are. And that's probably one of the biggest changes you can make mm. to yourself, is take your own advice. If you would give somebody else a compliment, take your own advice and give yourself one. Don't look in the mirror and say, oh God, look at those bags under my eyes. Look in the mirror and say, you'll sleep well tonight. Look at you. Mm. You know? Do something positive for yeah. you. Don't take a lot. It doesn't. Really doesn't take it a lot. Around, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Oh, Lainey, you've been fantastic. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um it's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm really excited to see all of the other things that you've got planned in the community. <laughs> I'm constantly seeing on Facebook and social media new plans and things. I think, oh, what's she up to now?
1: This is brilliant. Well, you know, this with. A, there's a group of us who started a, a community interest company because it's a not-for-profit company. But we're uh, we're concerned that smaller companies mm-hmm. and local groups can't afford the training that bigger companies could have yeah. or the support that bigger yeah. companies would have. So we're we're gonna go and do training for charities and small companies and one to one sessions for staff and stuff like that.
0: And how do you approach these companies with with, with that?
1: This well, is a new this is a new charity that you it's a, yeah it's a, well it's a community interest company. Yeah. So we're currently um, getting a letter together with what we're looking to offer and then we'll arrange for a uh, an open day. Wow. Yeah. I'll attend that. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a big issue for me that that you know smaller employers, it's true. charities, schools can't afford these big con- mm. consortium. Are you going to go to the schools? As yeah, well. yeah, brilliant. We have the
0: opportunity. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to attend that. Fab. Thank yeah. you. I'll spread the word. Yeah, definitely. please do. So. Um, I feel we've covered many topics <laughs> and it's been brilliant having Thank you on you. here. Um, so grateful. So to end, obviously I'll start with the, the things that you're grateful for and to end, I always ask um, if there's a favourite quote that always sticks out to you that you always go to or an affirmation and it's like a sort of a don't look down positive quote. Have you got any uh, to end on one?
1: I have and it's I mean it's a very very used quote by lots of people but for me it's a it's the quote that says spread your wings and fly spread your wings and fly because you don't know whether you can until you do
0: Lainey wanted to give out some useful websites where people can go and get help and find out more about mental health and the services in and around Redditch. One of them is a company that Lainey actually runs called Ahead of Wellbeing. Um, she's offering one-to-one sessions, even during the lockdown, uh, via Skype or, or, or FaceTime or however um, you can. So that's still something that, that's happening. Um, and the website is cic. Dot co. UK. You can also contact them via Facebook, which search for ahead of wellbeing and email is inquiries at aheadofwellbeing.co.uk. co. UK. There's also the Mental Health Action Group in Redditch and surrounding areas, and the website for that is www.mhag.redditch. .org.uk There's Time to Change, which is a more of a national um, website where you can—it's a campaign to change the way that people think about mental health, ways to get involved, volunteer, but also giving out a lot of services on sort of destigmatizing the taboo subjects around mental health and offering support. That is um, Time to dot U K.